Hello, and welcome to the Feminine Genius Podcast. This is a podcast that celebrates all women of God and their unique genius. I'm your host, Rachel Wong. This week, it is my great privilege and honor to share a conversation that I had with Beth Davis. If there are any fans of Blessed Is She out there, you may recognize Beth from their website, their social media, and of course, their popular Tuesday Live series, Teachable Tuesdays. It was wonderful to dive into Beth's story and her love for Jesus, and in particular, to be in her presence as she poured out some very deep and personal parts of her story. Beth has always been very open and candid about her relationship with our Lord. It's my hope that you come away from this feeling refreshed and inspired. In this episode, Beth and I talk about how to get over the mindset of a vocational timeline, her mission and her ministry with Blessed Is She, and the fact that Jesus is the ultimate lover who will always, always pursue us. I am doing fantastic. How are you? So good. Happy to be with you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Listeners, I'm just so excited for this conversation. I know that this was a couple months in the making. And funnily enough, we were bonding over some exercise videos. I think it's like one of those walking ones on YouTube. But man, I am so, so thrilled to have you with us, Beth. So thank you so much for sharing some of your time today. Rachel, I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Wow. Okay. So maybe first and foremost, Beth, if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself and sharing a little bit about what you do right now. Sure. My name is Beth Davis and I live in Phoenix, Arizona. I work for a women's ministry called Blessed Is She. The technical term for what I do is the director of ministry advancement. My heart is just to walk with women, to help them encounter the personal love of Jesus for them. And uh, yeah, I get to do that through teaching, through mentorship, through retreats, and it's very busy (laughs) and it's a real joy. Mm-hmm. So I've been here with Blessed Is She for three years. Before that, I was a full-time Catholic youth minister for 11 years at the same parish by God's grace. Just stayed in one place all that time and really got to journey through over a decade, really, even with whole families of kids, you know, and watch them walk through the programs and come into the church, receive the sacraments. And it's been a good run in ministry. That's so beautiful. And of course, the journey continues as I'm sure you've seen just with ministry and as things progress. And I mean, Blessed Is She has become such a movement and a beautiful ministry that helps so many women all over the continent and I would even say the world. So I'm so Mm -hmm. thrilled to be able to meet you and, and of course to hear that conviction for the mission. That's so amazing. Yeah. Thanks, friend. It's been a huge privilege to be invited to do it with the Lord and with these women and with you by extension. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. So I would love to hear a little bit of your faith journey, your personal faith journey, and 
obviously for many folks, I think that ministry work is something that is in itself a call. And mm-hmm. I'd love to hear how your journey has been with our Lord and how you came into ministry and yeah, what that journey has been like. Sure. Well, I was born and raised Catholic. Actually, funnily enough, my mom was Catholic. My dad was not. Mm-hmm. He was Presbyterian. I say was because at 70 years old, he was received into the church and became wow. Catholic. Wow. But that was not true my whole life up until two years ago. So raised in the church and went to mass, went to CCD and I remember thinking a lot about God and always believing, but never really understanding the personal nature of God and how relationship with Him was available to me and was the desire of His heart for me. And I really discovered that as a high school teen going through confirmation program at a massive parish. We had hundreds of kids going through confirmation at that time, hundreds of kids in the youth group. Yeah, it was kind of the heyday of youth ministry. And I had some really incredible mentors at that time, friends who just talked about the Lord like he was real because he is. And it was so attractive to me. Mm -hmm. I had a real deep desire to be loved, to be seen, to be accepted. And I found that in Jesus. So I would call that period of my life, my conversion of heart. And there were moments, of course, but I would say it was more like a slow chipping away. (laughs) The Lord really pursued me, you know, as he always had been, but in a particular way, really won my heart, romanced my heart in those years where I was just dying for love, you know, to be chosen. And Jesus chose me. So fell in love with the Lord And again, just had this great community. My youth minister, even after I'd gone off to college, reached out and asked me to become a summer missionary at a Catholic summer camp and Mm. just kind of came into my gifts there and found how much I loved talking about Jesus and just wanted my whole life to be about him and for him. And at the same time, I was going through college. I had always intended to study special education Mm -hmm. from the time I was five years old. It's all I wanted to do is to teach special education. At the same time, I was really deeply falling in love with Jesus and the church. And I had some people who were important to me at that time really acknowledge my gifts and invite me to maybe think about doing ministry. And then I did some student teaching and I thought, gosh, this isn't what I thought it was. I loved the students. I did not love the classroom. So that was an interesting kind of clarity to come that, you know, one interest was kind of waning as it was clarified and another was coming into focus. It's so funny. It it felt random at the time, but now I can just see the Lord's orchestration of it all in hindsight people reaching out and saying, Hey, I heard about this job. Why don't you apply here? Or, and I just took a risk and ended up staying, you know, 11 years at that parish. And the Lord opened doors to Blessed Is She just through friendship with Jenna. And yeah, now I get to do ministry every day, talk about Jesus every day with my best friend. So yeah, it's pretty amazing. And like you're saying, the Lord uses everything and he will make a way and 
in many ways, you still was able to fulfill that love, I would say, in your heart for teaching and being able to teach and share knowledge with other people. And, you know, that brings together that love of Jesus. So literally sharing Jesus with so many people. As we record this, it's a Tuesday. So I remember that Tuesdays are usually Teachable Tuesdays. So typically being able to share your faith and that witness and the ways in which Jesus had really pursued you and the word that you use romance oh my goodness just like pierced me right there I can feel tears Mm. starting to form I'm like wow that's incredible yeah the more people I meet and the more I share that part of my conversion I've discovered how unique it is But the Lord is a lover. I mean, Jesus is the lover of our souls. (laughs) Read Song of Songs. You know, the Hebrew people understood that was not an analogy for marriage. That was a metaphor, an image of God's love for his people. And that's how Jesus loves us. We're loved exclusively, romantically, jealously. Yeah, it's interesting language to use. And and I don't think we hear enough of it in the church. Even, it's funny that you highlighted that word. That was the word that came to my lips. And I even tried to edit it. And then I was like, no, nothing else captures what that experience was like. I fell in love with Jesus. Mm -hmm. Can you remember the very first moments that you really felt that romance or even that pursuit or deep enveloping of Christ's love for you. Yeah, gosh, you're so led by the Holy Spirit. When, <laughs> but when we began and we prayed, I had an image of exactly what you're asking about. And I was like, you know, Lord, I've talked about that one other time. I'm sure that's old news. But apparently he wants me to talk about it. Yeah, I found a book. It was recommended And it was called Falling in Love with Jesus. And, you know, I can't recommend that book. I don't remember anything else. Like I couldn't vouch for it now, 20 years later. But the author highlighted this verse in Song of Songs. The woman in Song of Songs, the bride says, oh, that his left hand was under my head and that his right hand embraced me the way she talked about it. And Mm. like, if you actually imagine it, it's such an intimate posture. Jesus, the lover, the bridegroom, like wrapping his arms around his bride. And that's how Jesus desires to hold us. Even now, I'm in such an interesting season of prayer Mm -hmm. where the Lord is like asking me to just lay in a hammock with him. And that's been over a year. Initially, when he introduced that imagery to me, I thought... You know how we try to figure things out in prayer. Like, what does that mean? And I thought he was just telling me to like, relax. Like a hammock is like a choice, you know? Anytime I would see that image in prayer, I would just think, oh, he just wants me to like rest. But I never thought that he wanted to hold me. Mm -hmm. So I can't believe I'm telling you this right now. I'm such an oversharer. But just recently, the Lord's really been inviting me to like lay with him not just think about it, but like literally lay on the couch and imagine in my Christian holy imagination that I'm laying with Jesus in this hammock and we just talk or rest or, yeah, it's been really healing and restorative. Wow. Yeah. And there's something so intimate about that too, right? I mean, I'm going to be honest, like I cannot relate, but having said (laughs) that, we see movies, we read books We see people's posts on Instagram, like there's something very, it's not just cute. It's that incredible closeness of just being with someone. And to think that our Lord, the creator of the universe, you know, the person who is the father of us all, father of 7 billion 
children still wants to have that very intimate moment with us, with me, with you. And he does that in such a personal way, like the ways in which he reaches into our hearts and he's able to pull at things that may mean nothing to other people and yet is able to make something for us just to show that he loves us. Mm, That's so true. Yeah, I can't say I've had a lot of experience (laughs) in romantic relationships, but I have been pursued. Yeah. I'm curious to know also, Beth, because I think having heard different vocation stories, for example, Mm. you hear about how there are some women when they make that leap, I would say, into a religious vocation. The language, I would say, maybe isn't verbatim, but is very similar about how the Mm. Lord has pursued them that being a religious woman is essentially being like a bride of Christ. And yeah. It's that spousal relationship of Jesus to his church. Was that ever something that you had looked into or had discerned about? Yeah, I I always had a very real desire for marriage. Mm -hmm. And so in a way, I believe Jesus just spoke the language of my heart, you know, that I was so desiring romance and to be loved and to be chosen and to be seen. You know, those things are true about God, but I think they were true in a particular way for me, for my teenage heart. And so I think that was just the mercy of God to pursue me in that way. So I spent many, many years kind of wrestling with that desire. You know, is that what this means? I have such an intimate relationship with Jesus. And and I remember even conversations with priests in confession or friends or whoever kind of asking about that. Well, because you pray like this, you must have a religious vocation. And I just flat out reject that. I think intimacy is for every soul. I think that's the desire of God's heart for every one of his children. I don't think it's reserved for the religious. Now, I think the character of it is different. It will be expressed and experienced differently, but I think it's for everyone. So it was never really that confusing for me because I always had such a strong desire for marriage Mm -hmm. and was always giving that to the Lord and kind of questioning. And even, gosh, as recently as in January, I did an eight-day silent retreat with the Sisters of Life, and it was so beautiful. And I'm like, Lord, are you sure? (laughs) You know, I'm always asking him, and he's always just laughing. Like, no, (laughs) we've talked about this. I had the same experience visiting the Dominicans in, in Nashville, and I'm so moved by the beauty of the mother house and the prayers and the rhythm and the community and you feel alive. So I asked again there, Lord, is it the Dominicans? Do you want me to be? No, I'm just drawn to Jesus. You know, my heart comes alive because I love Jesus. And so do these women. So for me, I've certainly asked (laughs) and uh, at some times was more open than others, but I feel pretty thoroughly discerned that that's not what the Lord is inviting me into. And that's all he could ever ask, I guess, is just to be open, as you're saying, and Mm. to be receptive to the different ways that he might be calling. And I guess one thing that I really love about the way that you're describing it is just, you know, you're open and you invite the Lord into at least like speaking for himself rather than, you know, the ways in which sometimes maybe we speak for him in our own imagination, or we think that certain things play out and it's like, oh, this must be what God wants. But 
yeah, like I, I can imagine that for myself, it would probably be exceptionally confusing. But I guess like hearing your story also gives me a little bit of hope that the Lord is not one of playing games and no. he's not here to mess around. Like he wants to be thorough and direct mm. when it comes to the ways in which, you know, he shows his love for us. Yeah. So, you know, I, I would say just a couple of things to that. One is I'm 37. So I really fell in love with Jesus and had this conversion of heart at 16. So that's 21 years that I've been praying with my desires and coming to know the Lord and learning to hear his voice in prayer. So, you know, I probably sound confident because I have 21 years of discernment under my belt. It's okay that it's a process. I wasn't always this confident, you know? And I love what you said that he doesn't play games. I have some dear friends who are Nashville Dominicans and we worked together on a retreat. Gosh, I guess this was maybe two years ago. And I sat down and I had tea or coffee with this sweet sister who shared her vocation story and how she was 36 and that was like older than they would normally allow someone to, you know, enter And I was turning 36 in like a week, I think. It was like very soon. And so there was a part of me that kind of panicked. Like, Mm -hmm. have I actually been wrong this whole time? But, you know, I'm just stirring my coffee. Like, interesting. Okay. No, that's nice. (laughs) Just like shoving down the panic, you know, unraveling 20 years of discernment. But I didn't speak to the Lord about it immediately. I just kind of like tucked it away the way we do. But I remember shortly after returning home and just kneeling before Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament in my sweet little adoration chapel and just saying like, are you sure, Lord? Was that for me? Were you saying 36 because I'm about to be 36? You know, it's just about talking to him. Vocation isn't a puzzle to be figured out or a problem to be solved. It's just a part of our relationship. So I just asked the Lord, do you want me to be a Dominican? I know I've asked you this before, Lord, but is that what that was about? And I very vividly saw the face of Jesus in my imagination. And he said, wouldn't I have told you? Hmm. And I just felt relief, peace, joy flood my body. I don't believe that the Lord is going to mislead me for all of my life, Mm -hmm. you know, and my desire so much is to walk with him, to know him, to love him, to serve him. There are times, you know, in tears, I've begged him, why don't you just let me be religious rather than, you know, live single when I desire to be married? Why can't I just, Mm -hmm. I love you. Why can't I just marry you, Lord? (laughs) But he's too too generous, too loving to just give us half, you know, or Mm. less than what he imagines for us. So that was a lot, but (laughs) no, but I think that there's some beautiful truth to that because I think the ways in which our world, this is huge. Okay. Our world tells us so many times that we're not doing enough or we you know, if you get to a certain age and you don't have a house, you don't have a husband or you Mm. don't have X number of kids, then something has clearly gone wrong. And, Mm. you know, I think that I've spent a lot of time and in prayer and in conversations with people really trying to 
you know, I try and reassure other friends that this is not the case, but mm-hmm. perhaps like it's more so to reassure me. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, that added elements of as a Catholic woman, sometimes it's either that marriage track or like a religious vocation. And I think it's only recently that I've been talking to, whether it's different sisters or other women who are discerning, where I, you know, just found out you learn something new every day that there is a timeline, even for sisters, like there's a particular age, a cutoff even, and a cutoff, it just sounds so final. And it kind of adds that pressure on, man, I got to figure this out sooner rather than later. But I guess it's like to hear you speak about how the Lord will never mislead you your whole life. If there was something that he wanted us to do, like he would tell us he's not going to lead us one way and then be like, just kidding. Now we're going to go over that way. And we've just kind of spent 10 years of our lives like wandering aimlessly. As long as we're walking towards him, that's really all that matters Mm -hmm. for him. And we were kind of chatting about this before we kind of hit the record button, but just the ways in which you're so candid about this, you share a lot of this on Instagram. And I think for me as a single woman, it's quite a it's a relief and a reassurance that for us women, since we really desire to be loved and noticed, like it's just innate within us. And and to recognize that it's not just me, hmm. but also that there is hope. Like there are women out there who are thriving and who know themselves and have hmm. come to this deep, intimate relationship with our Lord and they're able to really shed light on that. So I'm not sure where I was going with that, but I just want to thank you for being so open and candid about it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for saying that. I think the funny thing that we've done in the church, putting people on timelines and on tracks, and I think some of that is unintentional or subconscious even, the the pressure that we feel, the pressure other people's lives, how they've played out kind of reflect on us and on our experience. But when you look at the lives of the saints and when you look at people in scripture, the Lord is crazy. The Lord does totally unexpected things. You know, Abraham and Sarah didn't have a baby into their, what, I don't know, 80s, hundreds. I mean, they were old, you know, the Lord does whatever he wants. Actually, there's a Psalm that says, the Lord sits in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. And I remember the first time I read that, I was like, excuse me? Like what? But now I'm like, yeah, he can do whatever he wants. Mm -hmm. He can do impossible things. Why am I going to limit the Lord? You know? And again, that's not to say that I'm always at peace, that I don't question the Lord. It's not about getting to a place of perfect confidence. It's about getting to a place of trust because you know Jesus and because you know him you know that you can trust him. Mm. So then my faith and my hope aren't in the outcome of my prayers. My faith and my hope are in Jesus. And I believe deeply that he has his best for me. And that if I follow him, he's going to bring about that plan in my life. And he'll conform my will to his. He'll purify my desires. Now I'm kind of getting off track, but... (laughs) Just to say that timeline, that'll be the death of you. I mean, it's killer. I find myself doing math in my head all the time. If I meet someone today, if I get engaged, you know, on and on. And I mean, it can get pretty dark, but 
when I look back on the faithfulness of God, when I, I remember his love, when I look at his face in prayer, mm-hmm. that's everything. You know, vocation isn't everything. Jesus is everything. Mm-hmm. Wow. To hear you say that, and I guess remind myself and hopefully for listeners too, that you're right. It's, I mean, vocation at the end of the day is the ways in which God has called us to love and how we will receive his love in the best possible way that is meant for us. I think there is something to that where, you know, I find myself really trying to like suss out or plan Mm. every possible part of my life it's like okay if if it's the track of marriage like we gotta meet someone by this time and hopefully you know we can it's not COVID time so we can actually have a wedding we'll have our children xyz whatever or like on the other side like with their religious vocation okay it's like two years as a postulate two years as in, in the novitiate and on and on and on and you're right like it does get very troublesome yeah, difficult and we can even like those things are objectively good things but we can lose sight of who's really the reason for it all at the end. And, you know, I would love to hear for you, like having gone through this journey for the time that you have so far, like what have been some, I guess maybe like strategies or encouragements that you've picked up along the way to help you to always conform your heart back to him, especially in those moments where you feel yourself going off the beaten path and feeling very down that things haven't played out in the way that you were hoping. That's a great question. I wish I had like a five point plan for that, but I'm sure the Holy Spirit will help me. Um, I think Eucharistic adoration has been the anchor of my life, just going before Jesus, spending time with him, you know, and for better or for worse, I could go and just like throw an absolute tantrum and fill up my journal with cuss words and tears. I did a lot of that not that long ago. So I think with Eucharistic adoration is just honest relating in prayer as opposed to novenas or discernment and trying to figure things out, just just pursuing relationship, just pursuing his face, you know, seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added unto you. Like seek the kingdom, seek his face and he'll give you everything you need. A lot of times I just needed to sleep you just need to go to bed and stop thinking about it. I remember (laughs) vividly doing a five-day silent retreat a couple of years ago, and you get down in there and start dealing with some very real fears and memories and questions and encounter emotions that you might not have known were there, you know? And I remember one night just taking a shower and feeling so desolate and just saying out loud, just go to bed, just go to bed. You just need to sleep. And then I got up the next morning and I did a holy hour and it wasn't better. I I didn't push it down, but we just need to listen to our bodies sometimes. We just need to take good care of ourselves and not try to be so caught in our thoughts. We need to get out of our head at times. Yeah, so fresh air or a good night's sleep will do those two things. But I think probably the thing that changed for me, probably the real shift that happened for me was when... Oh my gosh, I have so many things I could say. When I left this parish and I began to do Blessed Is She, and I really, I had Jenna, you know, speak 
into my life and call out these things in me that she saw and gave me opportunities and like pushed me to grow, even in ways that were very painful and uncomfortable at first. They grew my confidence in such a way that I felt less just honestly desperate for my vocation. Mm -hmm. I realized God is using me. My life does have a purpose and that purpose is Jesus. Instead of it just being kind of the ideal, right? I think we all want that. We all want Jesus to be the center, but the reality kind of falls short. Even after 11 years in ministry, there was this competition for my heart, this desire for my vocation. And so as I became more and more confident, went to therapy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm a huge proponent of therapy. As I began to just pray more and yeah, understand and experience the personal love of God for me, you know, again and more and deeper. It's like my hands sort of unclenched from mm. this idea, this timeline. Almost like a letting go. I mean, literally when you think about that action, the physical action of unclenching your mm -hmm. fists and what results is just, you know, everything relaxes, your hands become open and not only letting go of timelines, as you're saying, but also open to receive absolutely um, whatever it is that the Lord has for us. Um, you know, I, and I think people skip a step, right? And yeah. they think like letting go is to, they confuse surrender with getting over something. Hmm. Does that make sense? They think yeah. if I can just, if I don't need it, if I don't have this desire... And it's a good desire to surrender and to trust the Lord, but they skip the relating part. They mm -hmm. just want to give this desire for marriage, give this desire for motherhood, give this desire for religious life. Okay, Lord, no, now you take it. You're in charge. I'm not going to worry about it. Well, that doesn't work. We take it back because right. we've never related our desires. Jesus would rather that we hold on to the thing and tell him about it than give it to him and then come and snatch it back. Does that make sense? Yes. He just wants to hear about it. It's like we're holding it in loose, open hands. Like, here's this thing, Lord. Here's how I feel about it. Have we looked at it from this angle? Let me flip it over because, yep, there's more. I have more feelings and more thoughts and more desires. And, and as we show that to the Lord, just his gaze alone purifies it. And we're received by him. So our eyes are naturally drawn from the thing in our hands to his eyes. You know, we're looking to him rather than the goal of the thing, the objective thing that we want. Absolutely. And how many times, like I can count, you know, on more than both hands, just the number of things that I just hold like so close to my chest or I hold so tightly and only to realize just, and yes, it takes therapy, as you were saying, or a mm. lot of hindsight a lot of prayer afterwards to look back and realize that whatever that was that I was holding on to, it wasn't good for me or that wasn't what the Lord had intended for me and not trying to beat myself up for it, but at least allowing myself to you know, be seen by the Lord and be like, yes, mm -hmm. like this was something that I held on to for a really long time. And then realizing that the Lord has something greater. Like not mm -hmm. only does he want me to open up my hand so that we can look at it and assess it, mm. but really for him to take it away and maybe replace that with like his hands, like he's going to lead me mm. now to the next thing. Yeah. That's, that's beautiful imagery. So. And I think, I think the important thing to do is to do exactly what you described, 
but to do it objectively. You're not judging yourself saying, I shouldn't be grasping onto this thing. I should let it go. I should be looking at Jesus. No, it's a process. Trust grows over time in relationship with experience. And so to just be with him and be with the desire. And I want to say desire isn't bad. The Lord writes desires on our hearts. But again, in relationship with him, they're purified and they're made more clear. Mm-hmm. Man, that was going to heaven and back. I feel like just to mm-hmm. like look into understanding like desires and even just speaking to what it means to carry ourselves as a single woman and to recognize that just because you're not either married or engaged or dating or you're not quite on that path yet to pursuing a religious vocation that God has abandoned us, that there's still God working in the background. And in fact, like he is, you know, in front of me, behind me and all around me. And sometimes I think because we get so bogged down on the timelines, as we were talking about earlier, that we miss where it is that he's acting in our mm-hmm. lives. So, yeah. yeah. So I just appreciate you, you know, sharing that and being willing to go that distance with me. Yeah. yeah. I, and I just, I want to reiterate, it's hard. It's hard to long. It's hard to have a desire go unmet. The enemy is going to come in with all kinds of lies to convince you that the Lord has abandoned you, that he doesn't care, that your desire is wrong, that you missed a step or you missed an exit. He's a liar. It's what he does. And it hasn't always been easy. I mean, there have been so many tears and so much anger and seasons of real sadness and loneliness. So I just feel like I want to be totally upfront and say, it's not easy. It's not been easy, but I'm grateful. Miraculously, I'm grateful. I'm actually, I'm more peaceful, more hopeful about being single at 37 than I ever was at 27. At 27, I was insecure. I was afraid. I wanted someone else to come and to fix, make right all of these other things that had gone wrong. That would have been disastrous <laughs> for me, for that person, for the relationship. Yes, somehow, by God's grace, I really have more peace on a natural human plane. My timeline <laughs> looks different. It actually it looks less optimistic, and yet I feel more optimistic. Mm-hmm. And that really is God. Yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> no oh doubt. My gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I came to that realization. I think I was talking to a religious sister just on that about, you know, how sometimes we feel that our vocation, whatever it might be, God willing marriage or religious life or what have you, that that in itself will correct or fix or erase every insecurity, every issue that we've had when really like the only person that could heal that is God and for us to be in relationship with him. And I just remember coming to that realization and just realizing like, oh no, like I've been putting so much weight on, again, very like objectively good things. These are real calls that God calls us to, but for what purpose, I guess? And Mm. you know, how much do I really believe that this is him using me for his glory and not as a band-aid for any issues that I've had in the past? Yeah, that's very good. 
Wow. Okay. This is incredible. (laughs) I wanted to ask as well, like, I, I don't want to overlook the fact that you're part of Blessed Is She and the blessings that have come from, like, I know that I've experienced just in, you know, reading the devotionals, participating in women's groups where we've gone through the Advent and, and Lenten devotionals. What have been some of the graces or the biggest highlights that you've seen in your time with Blessed Is She so far? Oh, man. Not an easy question. Yeah, you don't have the time. <laughs> Honestly. (laughs) Wow. I don't want to be flippant, but everything, everything, even the really hard stuff, relational stuff. Yeah. Just like the weight of a project or a dream or an event that felt too big or impossible or exhausting. It's all been used for my good. Uh, Romans 8.20 is my life verse. All things work together for good for those who love the Lord, all according to his purpose. And I can see how I had to leave that parish that I loved, that community that I loved. Not that it was perfect either, but there were some deep places in me that needed to be healed and grow and be purified And I was pushed in many ways, yeah, through the work itself and through, you know, doing work with women, a lot of women, (laughs) you know, in ministry, up close and personal every day. Yeah. I'm like utterly failing to capture the gratitude that I have to God for these past three years because it, it changed my life, changed my relationship with the Lord, changed my vision for the future. But that's so beautiful. I mean, there are some times where I feel like, you know, in the morning, it's just so difficult to get a move on. Like you feel like there are X, Y, Z things weighing you down with work or school or just life in general. And I can't tell you the number of times where I open my inbox and I know that I should be praying to God first, but I like, I like to say that, okay, if I'm going to be reading the devotional, this will help me pray and get my day started. But I can't tell you the number of times that, you know, I'm reading the devotional or I'm reading through the readings of that day and being like, man, God knew what it was that I was struggling with um, at that particular point in my life or that day, what fight I had the night before, what thing I'm overthinking now that my brain is awake again. And just how that speaks right to Mm -hmm. that particular moment of my life and just how important that is. And just helping me to grow as a Catholic woman. So, yeah. Thank you. Praise God. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I'll pass it on to the writers. Yeah. Yeah, And we just, we so desire to be holy. And I think if I can just kind of capture, I think what we've been kind of talking about and dancing around is somehow, somewhere along the way, vocation was held up to be, you know, marriage or religious life. But the universal call, the universal vocation is holiness. That's it. And it's expressed in our vocations, right? We live it out. I like to say vocation is the vehicle, but the call is the same. The point of all of our lives is the same. It's personal holiness. It's Jesus. So I think the fruit of the ministry is because these women want to be holy. You know, not because they want to have a great women's ministry. It's because they want to know and love Jesus. Yeah. And 
I mean, like just that's just such a profound reminder because Mm -hmm. I feel like so many times, especially in this day and age where you get to see yourself in tandem with the whole aisle of all the other kinds of ministries and what it is that you're doing and comparing that to other people. But like, I love that you just kind of cut right through the noise there, Beth. And you're Mm -hmm. just like, no, it's like the, the point of it is not even, you know, how many listens you're getting, how many reads. Yeah or what it is that you're even doing, but the point of it really should be pointing back to Jesus. So it's always just such a profound reminder. And I think more often than not, it really is God speaking and being like, do you trust mm-hmm. me that I've called you to to do this? But also that this is more than just you. Like this is so much more than, you know, you could even dream. So yeah, like just such a powerful reminder. The one that I need all the time too. <laughs> And I guess like Beth, just to tie this all together for yourself, you've worked in ministry, you're currently working in women's ministry. You were saying earlier about how you really delight in being able to journey with other women and encounter them. And through your own, I guess, example and witness to the beauty that can come about through singleness and Mm -hmm. what it means to just carry ourselves as a single woman delighted in by God. How have you seen, like through all of these things, your personal feminine genius develop and Mm. grow? Yeah, I would say I have seen it most and best and mysteriously in spiritual maternity. I remember being a youth minister and a very well-meaning parent core member (laughs) said, you know, don't you think that's why you're single? So you can be here for these kids. And I was so angry about that. You know, other people are in ministry and they're married and they have their own kids. Like, why is it one or the other for me? So there, there was like a real resistance and a real pain there. You know, like, I guess what was unsaid was the Lord is holding out on you so he can use you over here. And I, I really came up against that. And yet I can see now with some age and humility (laughs) and just more opportunities that the Lord is developing my maternal heart, expanding my heart to care for more souls than I ever could birth, you know, in my body or have in my home. So that's been a really beautiful growing revelation. Wow. That's such a beautiful image as well because you know you think about for us as women biologically speaking I don't know what the world record is for number of babies birth but there's some beautiful truth to that where you know like the obviously physical and biological maternity is so beautiful like don't get me wrong Mm, yeah but to have so much space in your heart to just like expand, expand, expand through the grace of God for, we could be talking about double digit, triple digit, like hundreds, thousands, maybe of Mm -hmm. spiritual children and just the grace that can come with that. And the beauty of that particular version of motherhood that is still just as important and extremely necessary just for our world and our church and to be reminded of that So it just reminds me of like you were mentioning Abraham and Sarah earlier, how numerous his descendants were. 
the number of stars in the sky or the grains of sand on the seashore and just how like if that's what God wills for us like that could be us too just to be that spiritual mother for whoever it is that we come across whoever it Mm -hmm. is that God has entrusted to us yeah you know I think it's important to to just know they're different they are different one is not you know better they're just different both so necessary obviously yeah mm-hmm. ah, man. Beth, thank you thank you so much and I think maybe just as we gather like all of these thoughts together that we've had I was wondering if you could help us close in a prayer I would love to thank you yeah in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen come holy spirit Lord, would you come in this moment and attend to our hearts? You know, all the complexities, all the intricacies of our desires, our experiences, our emotions. We give you access to all of it, Lord. We give you permission to, yeah, put your finger on places that need healing, places that you want to bring clarity or comfort We invite you, Jesus. I thank you that you are so attentive to our hearts, so eager to show us your love. So would you give us the grace to receive more of your love, Lord, your personal, intimate, unending love for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Beth. What a joy. Thanks for having me. My thanks again to Beth Davis for joining me on the Feminine Genius Podcast today. It was such a joy to have Beth on the show and to hear her story, as well as the wisdom and the insight that she has. You can follow Beth on Instagram for more adventures and reflections at the Beth Davis. And of course, you can find Blessed Is She on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, as well as their website, blessedisshe.net. I've left links to these in the episode description below. You can stay up to date with the Feminine Genius Podcast by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're at FemGeniusPod. And you can listen to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and many other platforms. All of this information can be found on our website, FeminineGeniusPodcast.com. We'll talk to you soon, and God bless always.